who are here today, and we have some that are visiting from near and far. We're glad that you're with us. I have a card I'd like to read before we begin. We miss everyone. We are with you in prayer and watching every Sunday. Love to all, Brian and Mary Patterson. We're glad, Brian and Mary, that you are with, with us, as well as all who are joining us online. If you have an outline, you may follow along. It's in your bulletin. Today is the first part of a four-part series of questions that Jesus asked. Who, why, what, and do you love me? Did I get that in the right order? Good, good. We're only going to consider the first question today. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? It's the first part of the question that Jesus asked. There are many different types of questions that Jesus asked during his ministry. He asked over 50% of the questions in the Gospels. Did he ask them because he didn't know the answer or that he wanted you and me and those who listen to consider it for themselves? Who then is the faithful and wise servant? We ask ourselves that even today. It is just as relevant, just as pertinent as it was that nearly 2,000 years ago. There's a context that we look at in Matthew chapter 24 that is very important as we consider this question, as those who were listening in the first century. We back all the way up to the first verse of Matthew chapter 24, a very enigmatic chapter for many people. It's not as hard as what many lead us on to believe. This is almost a sister sermon to last week when we had our map up of the city of Jerusalem. Jesus left the temple in verse 1 of Matthew 24 and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And imagine that you are a Jew in the first century. Jesus' disciples, two of those disciples said, When you come into your kingdom, grant that I can sit one on the left and one on the right. The mother asked that question. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. The disciples still had not grasped what Jesus was talking about when he brought up the topic of the kingdom. Mark chapter 9 and verse 1, Jesus, which means that not all of them would be alive. And we know that Judas was not alive when the kingdom came into power. So the kingdom had not yet been established. But the disciples had it in their mind that, that Jesus perhaps was going to establish his kingdom and reign on that throne in Jerusalem as his great, 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 well, you get the idea, David had done. 
Jesus shocks them with these words. You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And there we have our context of what Jesus is presenting to them. And the idea is, we would love to go into all of the details in describing of what he was talking about and when, the, when Jerusalem was sacked and the temple was torn down. I'll give it to you. It was A.D. 70. And Titus surrounded the city just as Jesus said. And everything happened exactly as it was laid out. But the thing that we need to consider is when Jesus asked this question, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has sent over his household to give him their food at the proper time? Who then is that person? He talked about the end of Jerusalem. And the things that they needed to consider within the context of this question being asked towards the end of the chapter, middle to the end of the chapter. Because in the middle of the chapter, in verse 32 in Matthew 24, he says, from the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as this branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This generation, the people of your age, this generation will not pass away until you see all this happen. And he's talking, of course, about the destruction of Jerusalem. We go to Matthew chapter 23, as Jesus levels those woes against the Pharisees and lawyers. Matthew 23, back up just one more chapter, to beginning in verse 32. Fill up the measure of your fathers, as he just, my mother used to use that word, lambaste them. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some of you, some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Same term that he uses in the following chapter, this generation. We back up even further into Matthew chapter 12. Jesus gives a parable of sorts. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, beginning in verse 43 of Matthew 12, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. And then he says, So also will it be with this evil generation. He brings the context to us that the things that he speaks of here in this parable are talking about the Jews who had rejected Jesus. And upon that generation, the worse than the first. This evil generation. I would be frightened to death if I heard those words. But not so these people. 
They are so sure of themselves. But Jesus assures them that all of these things are coming to come on this generation as he talks about Jerusalem. We looked at the when and what will be the signs of his coming? Surely you have watched many people say, oh, look at the world around us. I can tell you for sure I see the signs that Jesus is returning soon. The signs are all there. They missed one important aspect of this. Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 36. Read this for yourself and know this the next time that someone says, the signs are all there, Jesus is returning soon. Matthew 24, verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Jesus said there would be signs that Jerusalem was going to be sacked. He said it will be surrounded by armies. And so that you're going to be able to... And you know, Josephus, the Jewish historian, records that not one Christian was killed, though over a million Jews were. Why were no Christians killed? Because Jesus said, when you see these signs, I want you to flee. Don't. If you're up on the housetop, I don't want you to go down. I want you to flee. But concerning that day and hour, what day and hour, Jesus? The day of his return. Of that day and hour, no one knows. Now, I'm not an expert in Greek, but when it's transferred in English and it says, no one knows, you know what that means? No one knows. That one was pretty easy. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son but the Father only. Sometimes we call that the divine prerogative. Things that the Father doesn't reveal to the Son. How that happens? Above my pay grade. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. We're getting a clearer context, aren't we? Imagine how frightening it was for them to hear these words. Their beloved Jerusalem, that temple that was described by many as being one of the wonders of the ancient world in that day. Not one stone will be left upon another. And not only that, in my return, no one knows when I am going to return. The signs of the end of the age, Matthew 24 and verse 43, just a couple of verses from there. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the house to be broken into, therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not expect. There we have it, the context of why he said, who then is the faithful and wise servant? Because no one knows of the return of Jesus. It may be in the next breath. There will be scoffers in the last, just as they have been since the beginning. And Peter describes 
what happened. And he uses the same example of the flood in Noah's time. So the context of this is that you may know by the signs when Jerusalem will fall because the armies will surround it. And I want you to flee. Knows. So I want you to be ready. And he asked the question. He asked the question of us that we need to ask of ourselves. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? And the context is that we must be ready. Are we ready? Am I ready? Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Now, does that mean that we should only get a couple minutes sleep every night? Stay awake endlessly? No. The awake is to be aware, to be vigilant, to be watchful. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes in verse 46. Be aware. In verse 7, as we back up to the beginning of that chapter, he wants us to be ready. He wants us to be busy doing the things when he comes. But he wants us to be aware. In verse 3 of Matthew 24, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Three different questions that he addresses there. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Is that anything shocking to us to read of this? Do we know how many wars and conflicts are existing right now on the earth? We could Google it and find out, and we'd be surprised at how many dozens and dozens of wars there are and famines. There are websites that show every earthquake that's occurring on the earth this day. There's no end of things that we are left to worry about. But he says, see that no one leads you astray. Did you know that there have been many people who have claimed that they are the returning Christ? Did you know there are people walking around in Africa today who are claiming that they are the Christ? And you know that people believe them? Even though the scripture plainly says, see that no one leads you astray. Hook, line, and sinker, pole, boat, and motor, they have fallen for it. Be ready. Be busy. Be aware. Stay awake. And contemplating this question today, we've looked at it in the context of, of those in the first century, and we've dabbled into you and me being ready. And the questions we ask are, have I been faithful? In Matthew 24, beginning in verse 11, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. 
but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The love of many will grow cold. If that were the only time that we were to read this, we might skip over it. But the thought that the love of many would grow cold. Paul would write to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 1, This is how one should regard us as servants of the Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. You see, when... When love goes cold, so does one's stewardship. Whether it is, well, he hasn't returned, and chances are he probably isn't going to return today either. If he's not going to return today, maybe he won't turn tomorrow, or maybe it won't be for a few weeks. Maybe I can take a vacation from my faith. No, let's not vote on that. It is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Found when? Once a week? Mornings only? Evenings only? There's not a disqualifier. In Revelation, three times as John is given the words of Christ to give to the seven churches, three times within the context, Revelation chapter 2 is John is giving those words to Ephesus. It says, but this I have against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And can't you just picture the people in Ephesus when they hear this? <gasps> How did he know that? Trust me, God knows everything. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, because of all these things that I've told you, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. As we drop down to Revelation 2.10, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. For ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. In Revelation 3.15, Laodicea, that congregation that stands front and center is our example. No, actually not. Well, as a bad example. I know your works, you're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Some believe that's a reference to the Warm springs that were there that were sort of lukewarm, but not very tasteful. Others think that it, when someone is cold and they are presented with the facts, that they can see from where they have fallen. But someone that's lukewarm, I was told one time, you can, you can deal with someone who either believes or doesn't believe. But the toughest one to convince is the one who just doesn't care. It's kind of lukewarm. I know your works are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either hot or cold. Have I been faithful? Faithful 
in what would be the question. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse, beginning of verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Sounds very much like the same thing that Jesus is talking about. It can happen at any time. The end of things is at hand. Therefore, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. There's that term steward again. Peter's preaching the same message that Jesus preached. Those many years later, be a good steward. And he outlines those things. Have I been faithful? Have I been wise? In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, that Matthew records for us, as he comes close to the end, he relates to the difference between being wise and unwise. Everyone, then, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. That same message that Jesus had been continuously preaching to them. The difference between the wise and the foolish says, I want you to be faithful, and I want you to be wise. Paul would relate that to the church at Ephesus, beginning in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as wise, but as unwise. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Peter preaches the same message. Paul preaches the same message. Have I been faithful? Have I been wise? Have I been doing what the Master set me over? What you need to be doing. But I don't know your hearts. I don't know your gifts and talents. But I know one that does know, and that is God. In Matthew chapter 25... Beginning in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey. That man is Jesus. Who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents. To another two. To another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with him. And he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Which of those three do you not want to be? 
I'll give you a clue. You don't want to be the third one. Have I been doing what the master set me over? In Peter's second letter, in the last words that he records for us, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people. Same message Jesus spoke, wasn't it? And all those decades later, Peter has not changed that message. Do not get carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. In those words you have waited for, and in conclusion, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, very much the same message that he had written to those in Ephesus. In Colossians chapter 3, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Dropping down to verse 23, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. As we've considered the context of this question, and the question goes out for us today to consider. And each of us must answer that question. Who then is the wise and faithful servant? I am responsible for answering that question for myself. And as an elder with two other elders, we are responsible for making sure you ask that question too. And to make sure we all get to heaven, every last one of us. But you must answer that and you must consider that question if you have been wise and faithful up to the moment that either you have drawn your last breath or the Lord returns. Ask yourself the question, have I been wise and faithful? And if not, it is the time to ask that question today while time and opportunity avail itself, while your heart still beats and you take a breath in. Because when that trumpet sounds and there is that loud voice that hearkens the return of Christ, it will be too late. When would you like to make that question sure? Today is the day, if you have not been wise and faithful, take care of what needs to be taken care of. And we are here to help in any way that we can. If you are not a child of God, we are here to help that as well. By faith, believing that Jesus Christ died for our sins and understanding there is no way that I can pay that debt, only through Christ. And through that belief, I'm ready to move forward and say, I'm going to turn from the old life. I'm going to repent. I'm going to declare that Jesus is the Christ. And that final step that puts me in touch with salvation, 
just as those in the first century. Read it in the book of Acts for yourself and see in each case of salvation, those people were baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins. We stand ready to help in any way that we can. Together we stand and sing.